Hello, everybody. Welcome to the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. Today, I'm very, very fortunate to have the guest by the name of Chase Kessler. If anybody doesn't know the name, the Kessler family is synonymous with rodeo for what would you say, Chase? 70, 70 plus years. 70 plus years being in the in the rodeo industry. Um, some of the best bucking horses that there's ever been in the whole world have came right out of um, Alberta and, and the Kessler family. Uh, Chase, pleasure to have you on the show today. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Good. You're going to have to talk right into that microphone, okay. right to your lips, right okay. to your mouth. Thanks there it is. Perfect. So uh, as a young what what are you second third generation? What would you be? Fourth, fourth generation. Fourth generation yep. Kessler. Yeah. So hanging out in the back pens. Yeah. Uh, hanging out at home. Yep. No, uh, my my first job was starting in the back, filling water troughs when I was probably four. Yeah. And then you got old enough to pack some hay bales down the alleyway and create less work for your dad. And then pretty soon you're cleaning out the trailer. And then you start loading stock, and pretty soon it's bring that one over there and then load that one. And, and, and my dad would either be picking up and my grandpa would be flanking. And then my dad started flanking, and I started working the back and uh, started doing lots of lots of stuff. Work so your way up in the world. Yeah. So sure. Dwayne, Dwayne's your father. Yeah. Greg. Yep. Greg's Greg. my grandpa, yep. and Reg would be my great-grandpa. Wow. Yeah, so fourth generation. Yep. Holy smokes. Yeah. So, so what... In uh, for uh, for an outsider looking in, what would uh, what would a day in the life be uh, as a fourth generation um, Kessler kid be uh, like at the house? Uh, growing up with my learning from my dad, you know, uh, me and him it would be like we'd go at it every day about something, but it wasn't heart to heart. But anybody that was around there would be thinking, "Holy heck, I got to get out of here because this isn't for me." <laughs> and uh, and we, we'd go quite a few miles and. We argue about that horse should be in the bronc riding, or that horse should be in the bareback riding, or he should be out that left delivery or the right delivery, or why'd you do that? And uh, there was lots of always conflicts, but it was it was always a good time and good learnings. A few so, battles, yeah, obviously, but always, yeah, always come back to to being best buddies. Or yeah, yeah. I remember the first memory I have as a kid, like that when I was about four years old, we were at Coleman. And uh, my after the rodeo, my dad had two real bad bulls. In they were fighting bulls, is what they were. One was 29. His name was Blue Magic, and the other was 30 Super Cat. And uh, they didn't really buck that much. They were more there to sell the show. Yeah. Uh, they they were okay, but they were more out to where every time you went to do something, they were always a pain in the ass. Yep. And uh, I remember we were feeding there after the rodeo, and I wasn't old enough, really. I was the guy picking up the strings and just kind of watching. Well, there was a guy there that was helping us feed, and he was, I don't know who he was, but he was just a guy that was there, and he was in the bottle, of course. <laughs> of and, course. Uh, he, and he come back there in the alleyway, and my dad says, you just sit them two bales there, and I'll put them in that pen. Oh, no, I got this. He goes in there and told them bulls to get out of the way. And uh, 
The one thing about those two bulls is they were worse in the back pens than they were out in the arena. Oh, perfect. And uh, tw- my dad always said 29 knew how to try and get you, but 30 knew how to hurt you. Well, sure enough, 30 come out of the corner of the pen, and this guy had this bale in his hands. And he threw this guy straight up in this in the air. And uh, that guy was he was knocked out, and he was laying there, and I thought, holy heck. I mean, I was just a little kid. I mean, I was like, where's my mom? This isn't for me here <laughs> right now. But uh, anyway, he, he got up, and he was doing all right. And I never did see the guy again, but... Uh, he made it through, maybe. But the knows? next morning, I went out with my dad to grain, because we had to go and grain, and that 30 had a piece of that guy's pants around his horn. <laughs> Still stuck <laughs> Still there. Still stuck there. <laughs> and uh, and and my dad says, I don't think he's going to get that piece, piece of jeans back, but... Uh, and he had it there for about, I think, 10 days before it finally did come <laughs> He's on. not going to get those <laughs> pieces of jeans back. <laughs> and... But uh, we, a lot of good stories. Uh, you know, I, I learned a lot, there's a lot learning, and there's still lots more to do. Yeah, 100%. But uh, I remember going to them little rodeos and, and big rodeos, and they were all fun. I mean, you've seen something new or something to wear. What are we going to see here? But uh, I got uh, – my dad had lots of real good horses and uh, lots of good bulls and still does. But he, uh, there was a black bully called Monkey Bars. Yep. And we were at Cloverdale. Yep. And uh, he had to have some same thing, some fighting bull blood uh, in him uh, of some sort. Uh, yeah. Correct. Yeah. He yep. was. He had about a foot, foot a horn on each side of his head. Yeah, not bad. And uh, and uh, y- you couldn't if you were in reach, he had you. There was no getting up. Or even if you're at the top of the fence, he'd still catch your heel on the way by. Yep. <laughs> so he meant it. But uh, we were at Cloverdale at the rodeo, and this would have been—I would have been probably seven years old at the time. And uh, I remember being on the back of the chutes, and it was a bull riding time. And Tom Cassidy was out there roping bulls, and he was a pickup man. And Tom's a really good friend of me and my dad and family, and uh, he's always been a huge supporter of us. But he had this Appaloosa horse he was riding, and uh, Monkey Bars, he'd never leave the arena. He always was out there looking for something, of course. Well, Tom roped this bull, and uh, it was pouring rain, and the bullfighters, he dropped that rope, and the bullfighters weren't going to go pick up that rope because they weren't going to get in reach. Well, uh, anyway, he thought, I'm going to step off my horse and grab this rope and this bull's watching him and i remember luke allenson being on the back of the chutes and uh i want to say carson legault there too <laughs> of course yeah and them guys were just hooping and hollering saying tom you got it <laughs> and uh, Encouraging and, my, and i was just thinking and my dad says you got to watch this because this is going to get good <laughs> and uh bob tomlin was announcing and anyway the sap loose the horse he was riding he sees this bull watching him and Tom, as soon as he stepped off that horse, his foot hit the ground, and that bull started to come. Well, Tom was watching because he was reaching for the rope, but that Appaloosa horse seen him, and he was, and he was on the leave. And so Tom looks up, and that horse is leaving, and he grabs a hold of the saddle horn, and he's dragging along, and he's got this rope caught on his foot, and this bull's coming, and people are just cheering. 
And Cloverly, uh, obviously. And uh, Ricky Ticky was in the barrel. And I remember he had his microphone, and he, and he says, Tom, he's coming, he's coming. And Tom's looking over his shoulder. Sure enough, he 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 just he he made it in time to where it wasn't gonna hurt him, but yet. It was, and that horse was just on the leave. Like it was, <laughs> he was stuck out there, and I just remember Bob Tomlin saying, "Now that's how you sell the show." <laughs> and, uh, and that was quite a few years ago, of course. And I mean, most guys wouldn't remember it, but something like that, I never forgot about. It always sticks in your mind. I, yeah, I'm sure as a as a kid growing up in the Kessler family, around all the shenanigans yep. and and the highs and the lows and everything that you yep. guys we're a part of there's millions and millions of memories that yeah. that come to mind right yeah no there's lots and like i give all the cowboys all all the credit in the world for coming and getting on because you know like younger horses younger bulls i mean a guy doesn't think about it you just think you're at the rodeo but like there's a huge learning curve to where there's some bad horses that come in the shoot like over the years yeah they come in there and they're biting the pipe rail and you're looking at that guy like holy shit you're really gonna get on that thing like i'm thinking <laughs> oh like where is the car yeah but, uh, bent up fucking and, cowboy hat on like and, you're gonna ra- probably cool alley or and, you know uh, be, but like before i mean there was no such thing as turning out everybody was there to get on and it didn't matter and uh i think one of the funniest stories that i had was there was a horse that we called west coast alley and uh, we were at Armstrong. Would that go back to Cool Alley of some sort? Uh, he would in a way, but yeah. he was a gelding. Okay. And so, but he he was real hard to ride. Like he knew how to buck guys off, and like he knew his game. Yep. And Billy Richards and Kyle Danes were traveling together. I wow, think Kyle Bill. was there, but yeah. Billy had him drawed. And he was walking across the parking lot at Armstrong, and he turned him out. And my dad seen him, and he says, "Hey," he says. Uh, I see you turned that West Coast Alley out. He says, well, I'll just pay your fees for you, and you can just get on him. Oh, you'll pay my fees for me. You bet. You bet. Billy goes and gets his saddle out of the the truck, comes across the parking lot, and going to put his saddle on, and did he ever wipe him out? (laughs) I'll never get on that sucker again. And and it was a heck of a deal. But another time with that horse, there was a a bronc rider named by uh, Shane Moran. And we were at Great Falls at the circuit finals. And he's been on him about three or four times and never could get by him and didn't want to. But it was the finals and you had to get on, of course. And uh, he was sitting in there and my dad was picking up and and my grandpa was flanking. And Shane sitting in there and and my grandpa says, you know, they're waiting to go for you. And he says, nope. He says, I'm going to continue to sit right here and ride him as long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> right there in the bucket seats. <laughs> and, and finally, they did open the gate. Yeah. But it didn't work really out for him. But I give them guys a lot of credit for, you know, coming. and For and, getting on. And, you know. I remember going sport. to, like, um, like Brooks, yeah. per se. And uh, the Cavs and the Colts would roll in. Yeah. Or um, Tabor, yeah. per se. Cavs and the Colts would roll in. Yeah. And I'm talking pointy horn fucking mexicans <laughs> yeah. fighting bull looking suckers yeah. and cole I, I i was never a bucking horse rider and knew nothing much about uh bucking horses or, yeah. or bareback riding or bronc riding 
Uh, but obviously, probably some Colts yep. that were there probably went on to for sure. be world champions and be yep. some of the best in the business. And for guys to go and, and get on them at that point yep. in their life, looking back, probably like, holy shit, I can't believe I got yep. on that thing at the fucking Tabor Corn Maze Rodeo, you know? like. Yep. So like you're saying, those 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 young bulls, those young horses, when you go to those places, there was probably a lot of wrecks or uh, committee guys or, or helpers that were probably around there. That There's probably a lot of shenanigans went on the, behind the scenes with the, some of the best stock in the world. Yeah. Coming there, was, there, was, there was lots of things we've seen. And uh, one thing about hauling young bulls and young horses is you're always – trying to find those next superstars of course yeah and it takes those miles to get them there but uh the best one i seen was in the brook slack because we used to, we had to have the slack because we got so many entries which is good there's nothing wrong uh but we couldn't have everybody in the perf just because it'd be pretty long yeah but it would have been a few years ago steven turner had a bull that first come on scenes that you've been on called uh his number was 458 commando yep yeah been on commando and Cost me the Cloverdale uh, rodeo one year, short <laughs> round, yeah. that bugger. But anyway, it was one, it was probably his first trip, <laughs> and uh, like with a guy, we bucked him with a dummy for sure. Yep. But uh, but uh, anyway, Steve was in there, and I remember Bear Light Brown helping him out. Bear had another bullet he made out pretty well with, so his his game was up and all smiles, you know, it wasn't like, okay, where are we going now? But <laughs> I give, you know, them guys, they go a lot of miles, but uh, Steve had this commando drawed, and he's down in there, and this bull's just bellering, and and Steve just opened the gate, just opened the gate, that's all he could say, he's like, I'm hung over, out of here. Hung over his <laughs> and, shit, and still my dad says, Steve, you gotta pull your rope up before you say open the gate, no, I just want out of here, <laughs> and, and he did ride him that day, for sure he did. But, I mean, if a guy had to come and do that today, I'd, I'd say a lot of guys would be saying, no, that, that isn't for me. Which, Definitely. I mean, it is nothing that, you know, something a guy wants to get on. But as, as many bulls like yourself and other guys that have come a long ways, you know, and went those miles to get on those bulls and horses, is unreal. Yeah, definitely. But uh, we've had lots of big-time players bucking horses and stuff and another time at brooks we had the wild horse race yep and uh it was about four years ago my dad's they called my dad a week ahead of time yeah we need some horses my dad says well i think i can find something to accommodate the event <laughs> calls the kesslers for a wild and horse race uh, so it was right before the rodeo and it was just for the one day brooks was two but anyway uh before the rodeo starts there's all these wild horse racers walking around and they're probably three times the size of me and i was about 15 at the time and uh their competition them guys didn't know were still on the truck and they were looking at all these horses oh yeah we'll manhandle these and so the bareback riding gets over and done with and my dad says okay it's time to get the wild horses in or wild horse racers where's your stuff is how he put it everybody's <laughs> looking around like what does he mean so we unloaded these six big four-year-old studs <laughs> off the off this straight trailer, and uh, my dad says, "Here they are. You pick which one you want." <laughs> and my grandpa was still around at the time, yep. 
and there was guys that come up to my grandpa and said my halter won't fit <laughs> wow holy like that was a they used all of our own halters and there wasn't one guy that wanted nothing to do with those studs and meanwhile there the, the most terrifying part was was i was on the back of the chutes and uh there was a horse that was pretty successful horse for us we called spanish pear yep well, he was looking at this wild horse racer as he put his halter on when he was a four-year-old colt, and he's biting the pipe rail, looking at him, and I'm thinking, damn, I said, I don't know if I'd be in that. I mean, the concession stand over there, the stands looks where it's got to be, but uh, when the gates all opened at once, it was about over and done with in about three seconds <laughs> Yeah. and uh, there wasn't one guy around that said, we got to have this again. <laughs> so, no, yeah, but... Uh, no, there's been quite a few really good stories over the years. What happened? It was like a week later, two weeks later. Yeah, well, they used to have, well, they had the wild horse race, and it just fell. Yeah. And then they didn't have it that year because we wiped all them guys out. <laughs> and uh, felt bad about that, but that was, yeah. So, Ended it for you. I don't, yeah. So I got a, a couple of guys here with me today that um, have been – uh, synonymous bullfighters all across the world and had worked for your family um, for for years and years and years through probably 90s, 2000s. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to date you guys. 80s, maybe? No, that's way old. Yeah, no. 90s. Um, but but great dudes that, that have had a lot of history with your family that probably want to have some, some questions for you as the fourth generation guy. Probably should be questions for uh, your grandpa or your, or your dad, but I'm sure you were around at the time <laughs> yeah. and probably have some great stories of you being a little boy shitting in diapers still, <laughs> yeah. you know, crawling around, hanging <laughs> out. Uh, so Jason Davidson, uh, first off, he's going to, he's going to jump on here and have a few questions for you. Uh, just, just as a, as a bullfighter working for your family and the reputations that you guys have over the years, uh, I think it could be pretty interesting. So we'll see where that goes. Hey, thanks Tanner. Hey, Chase. Well, it was probably about, I think, 1996 or 97. I remember I, I got an opportunity to work for, for your dad and your grandpa. And Dwayne called up and, and wanted to know if I could do some rodeos. We had met at the Cloverdale Rodeo, and uh, I just got my PRCA card, which allowed me to go down to your Montana rodeos. I, I, I think it was in 97-ish or 98. Anyway, we had a good run. We had a good run. Uh, you guys would have Helena, Livingston, Augusta. Uh, I didn't get to go Augusta, Kalispell, Butte, Butte, Kalispell, Drummond. But that Drummond, the yep. one day in Drummond, yeah, you bet. Um, so it was like a four-week stint down there, and it was uh, it was interesting for sure. Like uh, any cowboy that has ever walked into the office where your grandma would have been sitting, oh. or in the back of the shoots where your dad or your grandpa or your great grandpa were. We're always intimidated. There's no question. You can't tell me. I don't care who you are. Ty Murray yeah. would have got it one time <laughs> along the way at a Kessler Road. You got your ass chewed about something. So it was always pins and needles. But I got to uh, spend some time with your dad in the truck, hauling, hauling stock back and forth. And uh, I know uh, I think that was probably some of the f most fun I ever had with your dad because he, his guard was let down and he would tell some stories. Uh, both Scott and I fought a lot of bulls with TJ Baird and, and you would have grew up around TJ because yep. he fought bulls for, for you guys for a long time. So I kind of want to touch on a TJ Baird story because, uh, I'm never going to forget coming across that Montana roads one day and your dad started telling some stories about TJ <laughs> and I never seen Dwayne Kessler laugh like that in my life. It was the <laughs> most contagious laugh because 
And I had to reach over and grab the steering wheel because he was buckled over laughing in that <laughs> that white Kenworth. We were bouncing across Montana, and he was laughing so damn hard. So um, take me back to a good T.J. Baird story. Like, he was always good for a good-ass hooking. You, you know, T.J., He's my dad always said, I was there when I was, he could always flank bucking horses, unreal. Like, my dad would pick up at them rodeos, and when my grandpa either had a rodeo that he had to go to and we were doubled up, TJ was always the guy who was flanking horses or whatever you kind of needed done. And my dad said he was a phenomenal guy at that. Like, he just unreal to where he could do anything, just wherever you need him to be. If it's loading time to vent cattle or flanking, sorting horses, uh, another guy that was with him too would have been uh, Danny McDougall at the time. Yeah, and chief. I, yeah, and I and I grew up around him. I mean, uh, I've been around him all my life, and uh, he's someone I look up to because he'll do anything for you. He'd give you the shirt off your back, and I was I was still pretty young at the time, but I remember him always, you know, taking care of a guy or whatever he needed. They were there, and so which I always, and they were always helpful and uh, would go out of their way. So uh, back to that intimidation factor on the back of the shoots. You yeah. must have saw some good ass chewings and arguments y over the years. You if know, you, if you had to pick one of the most epic arguments you ever saw your grandpa, or your dad in, including with each other, maybe too. If yeah. you think that one is, you know, yeah. trumps any cowboy castle, <laughs> yeah. you let me know. Uh, you know, uh, most times if there was an argument, it was most times someone screwed up or was doing something wrong or trying maybe cheat the animal it wasn't like they were looking for an issue just because well i'm gonna just tell you how it is no you know uh one thing about it is uh like when guys would step on to get to go across their animal like a horse for example my grandpa would always say get his foot off your off his back and the only yep, reason why he liked I that watched it lots. And, and the only reason i and you see it and and the only reason why he was sticking up for that animal because he said how would you like it if i were to walk over your back and yeah. i'm thinking about well i wouldn't think it'd be that nice but uh and that was always something and most guys you know they just kind of come and go with it and that, that was just what it was yeah good point but uh i don't know you know for a, an ash to a night there hasn't been there's been some but to where it's been to where they don't get along you know there wasn't a grudge ever held i mean they could still after you know uh smile shake hands and and get along just fine it wasn't like oh we're we got a problem here no uh but i never really seen a real bad one i've seen lots between my dad and grandpa just sorting horses and you know we should breed that horse or what are you doing there and and stuff like that and uh i remember when i was about nine or ten we were sorting horses to go to Tabor to the rodeo and it was pouring it was still in may at that time and it was springtime but it was muddy in the back pens and i remember my grandpa he just he got cleaned up and he was ready to go and we had uh they kicked the end gate out of the trailer and and so he had to unload the horses in the back and regroup and do that while we were sorting them horses to put them back on and this mare covered him in mud Wow, he was. I, I would say the words, but I just did. You could just imagine to where he was all, and then oh, now I got to go back and uh, get cleaned up. And I mean, I don't blame him. I mean, she covered him in mud, and she was a wild mare, and 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 she did really buck. That was the only reason why I guess he didn't, 
but uh, I, I never seen him covered in mud like that before. <laughs> and it was, and it all happened in about a split second. You couldn't even turn around before it was. Well, in light of the the company we have here with a couple of burns and talking about mud and your grandpa, uh, I remember we were in Cloverdale, and I know what year this was. It was 1996. I was out there. Uh, we were doing the Wrangler Bull fights. Um, might have been about the first or second year you guys had got that rodeo. Mm-hmm. And your grandpa always had his tie on. You know, yeah. we see a lot of those red ties today, which uh, which is a great way to honor honor Greg. And he was on this sorrel horse, and the Bob Tallman introed him, and he went riding out, and it had been raining out there. You know how Cloverdale can get yeah. wet. He goes riding out there on his intro, and this sorrel horse kind of bogs and starts spinning. And your grandpa was handling him pretty good, but he just wouldn't quit spinning. He got to the outside, and finally that horse pitched him. And across the arena, he went sliding in that white shirt and tie, and he got back up, and he grabbed that horse, and I knew he wanted to just yank on that horse's head, but he couldn't in front of that crowd out there. Anyway, Ryan was fighting bulls. Ryan Byrne was fighting bulls with me there, and Greg's riding out, and you could just tell he was the disgust on his face when he, when he had to ride out full of mud. And Ryan walks up to him. He goes, Greg, I want to tell you something. I was the only one back here that didn't laugh. <laughs> 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 and I think your grandpa wanted to laugh, but that just wasn't in his nature to <laughs> yeah. laugh at that, you yeah. know. Um, I got a question. Growing up, I was around your family enough to understand how hard they worked. Um, yeah. You go to a lot of rodeos, there was twice as many people and committee men helping out. Yeah. And uh, I learned real quick at my first rodeo, I would have been probably one of those Montana rodeos that I was at, that it was there was four of us. And Chief yeah. Danny McDougal was one of them, yeah. you know. And you worked. You worked all day long. Yeah. And you worked all night, drove yeah. all night sometimes because yeah. it was a busy run down there. I want to know something from you, though, Chase. Um, what do you think, looking back on your grandpa and your dad, what do you think you – what's one thing you think you've learned that, you know, um, whether it be characteristic or um, – a handshake what what do you what do you what would you say you've learned the most from your dad or your grandpa you know i've learned lots about my dad and grandpa uh respect would be right at the top and when you make a promise you keep it or if you shake a guy's hand you're not just looking at the ground you look him in the eye and that's what you're going off of and also i've learned quite a bit to where handling livestock you know all horses bulls i mean we never were the guys that you know you you got a job to do you want to get that like that's what you're supposed to be doing you're not having anything no alcohol or nothing there during or before i mean lots of guys have it because but there's a job to do and that's not and if my dad ever seen me or my grandpa they'd kick me in the ass i mean there's a time and a place for that stuff and it was always taking care of the livestock to the best abilities and how to sort them you know uh we, we never really used a sorting stick with a horse it was always it was pretty much we would just used a piece of paper or our hands because they would stop they would turn they we had them so to where they'd stop maybe after the fourth or fifth <laughs> time you handled them i know i yeah, got run down in sure. Montana one time yeah the young horses still are learning for sure but uh, like the respect that we have i mean there's lots of guys that hip horses when they go by them you know, stand on the wrong side of the gate or just kind of in the way. And, and most times the reason why we only had two or three guys at a rodeo was because my dad and my grandpa, you know, uh, and even myself, they referred to a guy as two or three guys put in that 
uh, to make one guy, and they knew what they had. And so it wasn't like it was they're just sending some guy that they just picked up saying, yeah, we need you to do that over there. And it they, they would do it half-assed. And they knew they had trust in everything in me and my dad. And my grandpa's taught me lots over the years. Just, you know, even like when my dad drives truck, there's stuff you do. I mean, lots of guys jump in a truck and they, when the light turns red and they got a load on, they just slam on the brakes. I've seen guys do that and my dad my dad when he drove down the road he never touches the brakes that's the last thing that like he's not going like fast but he's not to where the horses are gonna stand in the trailer to where crowd them and that was the main thing of just mostly respect around animals and even people handling things the right way i mean not saying there's not arguments but to treat people fairly and when you make a deal with someone you keep it not giving them a different card or something that's not what it's about right so well before i hand this over to my buddy scott here to to ask you a couple questions here chase uh we've had the pleasure of having you around a few of these pbr events and uh the kessler name has obviously been pretty famous throughout the prca and the cpra and rodeo um how have you been enjoying your time in the pbr like working with us and and uh what do, what do you see as a, the difference between the the you know the PRCA and PBR how things are done? You know I I, r- I really appreciate the opportunity letting me help out with the PBR working in the events helping set up. Uh, I mean it means a lot, and uh, the production wise I mean like I look at yourself I look at Blaine Scott and everybody Brett uh, Gardner you know it, it takes a lot to do what they do. Uh, Ted too also I mean that's and everybody else on the camera crew I mean I don't know them guys but it it doesn't just happen and you guys do a phenomenal job of what you do and and I just wish the COVID thing wasn't a thing because I mean as good an events you guys put on I mean I come to the one in Lethbridge I mean it's outstanding I mean there's not like that is one of the best events I've seen in that in that PBR. town yeah, yeah that's uh like that is we've unreal. come a long way and uh in lethbridge there's yeah. no question 18 years of building it to yeah. where it's at so we've been pretty lucky with that well um i just want to make sure you know i appreciate the the high regard and what we do as the a team here with the pbr and i i have to give uh, your family credit because that's you learned that as a young age yeah. when you went to a kessler rodeo it was a production yeah. it mattered what time you got done it mattered how those shoots were loaded and it mattered what you know what order that was the first time i got to be a shoot boss yeah. whether i wanted to be or not you know was working for your family and and helping out flanking horses and and just making sure things rolled correctly and and to be a pro that was number one so yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's real neat that we get to circle around here this many years later, Chase, you're just a little boy back in those (laughs) days when I was around, but, um, just want you to know that your family definitely has, uh, had an impression on, on, you know, the way we want to do our things with the PBR, even though they were never real, really a PBR family in in any regard, but, uh, we're real happy to have you around. And, uh, I can see why Josh Breezy likes packing you around. You're a hell of a storyteller. Yeah. I didn't know that about you. So, uh, this is, you can probably consider this job security with us, Chase. Yeah. (laughs) No, uh, Josh and his family, you know, they're, they're really good people and they, they let me come and help them. And it, it means a lot. I mean, he's family to me and, and, 
and we go a lot of miles and there's lots of good stories i mean he's telling me something and and uh i take that and i think well that's a pretty good life experience you know from what he went through to i mean everybody has a life experience of course but it's good to hear you know how he got started to what he is now i mean unreal i mean yeah. it's it, it wouldn't be easy i think uh you know chase i think you're a testament to what um the western lifestyle in this, this industry whether it's a pbr or rodeo and you're brought up around it i think you you're the perfect role model that of how we turn out you know you learn what like you said what a handshake is and we're, we're just a big family here with pbr and rodeo and uh um you know real pleasure yep. i'm glad i had this time with you we've had lots of time to bullshit over the years here yep. and there but never at any great lengths so yep. Um, happy to have you, and yeah. I want to pass this no on to my old buddy Scott Byrne here. He's got a grin on his face. He must have a story he wants to tell. Oh, man, I'm telling you. you there's the old saying, you plant a potato, you get a potato, and holy Christ, sitting beside you is just like sitting. Listen to you talk is just like your dad. Like, <laughs> I mean, you guys had your, uh, you know, the way you talked was your own way of putting things across, and, man, I, like Jason said before, I came on the scene. I started fighting bulls in 95. Probably didn't start doing much um, around you guys. I guess I never really worked for you guys directly. A um, couple of rodeos over the years, but more got to see you guys at like Pinocchio and Isfil where, you know, you'd subcontract in and everything. But I, I, I got to bring up this story, man. One year at Cloverdale, I'm standing behind the chutes and, and, uh, Man, you weren't that old. Not old enough to fucking boss people around, I'll tell you that. But anyway, I'm standing I'm standing there and I uh got my bullfighting outfit on and getting you know, Jason said it before, when you were going to fight a Kessler pen, it was intimidating. You know, you had the M word mixed into them breeds <laughs> and that was Mexican and it was no secret to uh, it made a guy think about maybe his job profession <laughs> choice. But anyway, so a little nerved up and I know uh, when your bucking horses went out, a big thing with you guys was getting those flanks off right away, yeah. getting them back, making sure they weren't wet. I remember your grandpa telling me, just put it to your face. <laughs> just see if it's damp. I'm like, I'm not putting that damn thing against yeah. my face. I can feel it. I got hands. Yeah. But anyway, I'm just standing there, and there was a couple flanks at the end of the chutes. And Chase, like I said, you weren't that old, and you just sauntered by with that Kessler you know, swagger. <laughs> you looked up me, and you're like, fix them flanks. And I'm like what the what <laughs> are you kidding but you know what the, the the scary part was i got down and did it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> talk about job security yeah. right you know you just go with the flow but man no it's it's uh jason was talking about traveling with uh with Dwayne and uh one year at uh medicine hat um your grandpa would have been south at that time because you guys overlapped rodeos yeah. there for a lot of years and uh saturday night rodeo's over because it ended on saturday and there was Dwayne there and three trucks there was three trucks three liner loads had to go back to the ranch and uh i kind of clued in that you know Dwayne was probably spread a little thin so i said hey uh, do you need a hand hauling stockholm i i'll 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 jump in and he he's like yeah man i could really use a hand and he goes what truck you want to drive and i'm like that big white kenworth right there that's me <laughs> god damn it was eh? <laughs> So, you know, the rodeo's done. It was, fuck, 45 above that day, hot as hell. We get done, get everything sorted, loaded, and here we head out. And 
a little nervous, right? I'm hauling, well, priceless, you know, talk about your bloodlines and stuff. They're, you know, it's pretty responsible. I didn't know where I was going. But anyway, <laughs> we drove and drove and drove, got to the ranch. And, and that was, um, that would have been when Shiver and Shake, another famous bull of yours that was as intimidating as fuck, to put it loosely. I mean, that was one bull rider or, or bullfighter. That was a bucking machine, hey? Yeah. Like, and mean. And, yeah. and mean. Yeah, he had the fart. Yeah. Um, and you would have had lots of run-ins with him just in the back pens and stuff like that, right? You know, when he when he was on scene, I would have still been about eight or nine to where I was helping my dad out, but I wasn't the guy in the alley. I was still a guy on the fence looking, saying, oh, you, what do you need me to do? Now it's the other way around. My dad's just <laughs> looking at me, and I'm in the alleyway. Yeah. But uh, I didn't. But you know, the one of the best stories I got of shiver and shake was the first time he was went to a pro rodeo at Coleman. Uh, Dennis Halstead would have been. He would have been. I don't know if he would have been his rookie year. I don't think so. I mean, he's been. He was. But he would have been. It is like at the start of his career of being successful as he is. And uh, I remember my dad saying, the only way that bull's going to come out is if you put that barrel right there at that outgate and you'll hook that barrel. But the only problem was was there wasn't a big pen, so when that bull did hook that barrel, there wasn't nowhere for Dennis to know. <laughs> but my dad didn't say nothing to Dennis. We were no. just going to let that happen as no, the car was right. yeah. So he's not, getting not paid for. Not one to get him hurt or nothing, but... Uh, I remember that. But possibly. But <laughs> I, I remember the bullfighters, they got him towards that barrel, and he come and hooked that barrel, and he followed that barrel through while the way that barrel bounced, it hit the back of that fence, and it caved in the way to get out of that barrel. And so nothing nothing too bad. I mean, Dennis might have been a little shook up in there. I, I was still pretty young at the time, but uh, I remember afterwards they had a – Dennis was still in that barrel, and they had a jackball jack. And they were opening that barrel so he could get out of it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you don't see that anywhere. No, and, no. And, uh, all no. I knew was uh, uh, he'll be thinking the next time to heck with getting in that barrel. Yeah. Stay the hell out of there. Stay. But, I mean, he still got in that barrel. I'll give him all the credit in the world because, I mean, that guy, he's been a lot of places and he's seen a lot of things. And But he's always been... I've always he's always looked out for me. I mean, he's always been a supporter, and which I'm grateful for. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, if you're got the jack, you know, if you end the rodeo with a jack all jack in a barrel, <laughs> you know you've had a successful yeah. perf in the bull ride. No, I, and that so going back to that story and, and sixes, shiver and shake. That night I hauled stock there. That was at the end of his career. He was old, but you know we unloaded horses that night just before dark, and there he was standing in that pen. And and as a bullfighter. To, to be to fight him your his whole career and just to see him standing there again and see him it's kind of hard to explain it's like nostalgic right you go back through all the memories and all the nervousness and guys nodding their heads and you know that bull was so smart he knew exactly where he pitched a bull rider and that was the thing with him as a bullfighter you really had to have the player ed or someone was going to take a hook and and i mean i always would i'd rather it be me um but there was still that point of holy shit, here we go, right? He was, I'd say in my career between him and Heaven and Earth of Gerlitz's, those were the two that that stick out in my mind as, as the ones that you were, 
you could play it off as you weren't nervous, but goddamn, you were nervous. Yeah, yeah. The guys that got on those bulls, and I mean, there was lots of real bad bulls at that time. Like when Ryan Byrne was fighting bulls, my dad said he was most talented guy right. out there. I mean, and can do anything. Mm-hmm. My dad always referred to him as one of the best in the world. Right. I mean, you aren't going to find that. I yep. mean, and and he's a heck of a good teacher because I mean, I mean, look at you guys. You guys had real good su- successful careers and. And I mean, a lot more miles still to go. And, right. Uh, but as many bulls, I I wonder that he's seen because he was around them. I mean, it'd be unbelievable to hear his stories. And oh yeah. What he has, because I'm sure there'd be quite a few. And uh, so, so at the ranch there, what was the river that went by? Yeah, St. Mary's. That's the St. Mary's. Yeah. Well, we jumped in that liner in Medicine Hat after fighting bulls, and I didn't have any water. I was goddamn thirsty when we got to the ranch. And your dad ran me down to the hydrant, and, and he said, this is the best it's the best damn water you're ever going to drink. I think I about drank that river dry, because I think he said it come right out of there. I don't know how it all worked, but, yeah. uh, man, I was never so glad to see water. But it, it was just fun to go see the ranch. You know, we sorted horses off, put everything back where they're supposed to. And then we made the trip back. We doubled back, and like Jason said, he got telling stories about picking up at the CFR all those years and, I mean, I laughed, and he laughed, but I laughed harder the whole way. And it was the first time I kind of got to know Dwayne on a not a working relationship, but more of a friend relationship. And, uh, God, it was so funny. I still talk about that trip. We got back at 3 in the morning. Your mom was there with some Wendy's, okay. fed us, and went to bed. Yeah. You know, it was such a good experience. Yeah. And just to see the ranch and how it all worked, and you, you know, it was pretty cool been a lot of really good stories like with bulls and horses but i remember when i was younger of course my dad he had lots of young bulls and they never really seen anybody besides us that fed them when they first come on tour and right and they were all black bulls there was not a white bull in the pan and i, and, I know uh, they were I had know. horns and it was a real deal there with the, just the meanness or the intimidation factor to where you might lose your shorts but uh, or, or shit I, I remember <laughs> i i was still real young at the time but i was pretty excited i just my dad had a phone call he said yeah there's they want some bulls to a bull riding in claire's home well it was a learning day that day because we got there with these young bulls and they were about three years old and my grandpa always told me after that he says you never unload the bulls because there's lots of guys there for this bull riding he says you never unload the bulls unless you see the ropes out on the fence we got done unloading the bulls and there wasn't one guy left <laughs> everybody was gone i just crickets and, and they were gone and and whatever happened and we didn't really notice because we were more focused to getting these things off the truck and they wouldn't come off the truck right and i guess that was more terrifying to them guys Probably. and uh, and so we learned a good thing that day to where well make sure everybody's committed before we head up and go to town oh. but my dad's always said, well, at least they got the experience of going down the road. That's the right. So, yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it was funny, Medicine Hat that same year, there was only four or five guys, bull riders, showed up or entered on the Saturday, which was odd for Medicine Hat. And, of course, that was the night perf, I think, was the Saturday night. doesn't matter. Anyways, we didn't have enough bull riders to, you know, make a full show out of it. And, like, we go back to they wanted – you guys put on a production and people paid, so you're going to get a show. So second last bulls to buck, and I mean, I was way over freestyling bulls at that point in my career. Wanted no part of it, and Dwayne leans over the chute and he goes, hey, you're going to have to do me a favor. And I'm like, I know what you're going to say here. 
and I'm not liking it. But he says, you're going to have to freestyle one and sell, and sell the show. I'm like, is that right? And he's like, yeah, you're just going to have to help us out. He goes, just make one or two rounds and sell it. And I'm like, you don't worry about that. I'm grabbing that big rubber fucking tube in the middle of the arena, rolling it to him, and selling it. <laughs> yeah, I just... But it worked. I mean, but you did what you had to do, but yeah. it, it was intimidating. I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but did not some of those Mexicans originally come from 3A3, like from Brett Dick? Like, You know, uh, the Mexican bulls come out of uh, Burton bloodline. Oh, they the, did, eh? Them bulls, But yeah. you guys had a couple that had the 3A3 brand you on it. You know, uh, could be. Yep. I'd have to ask my dad because I wouldn't remember that. Right. But I do remember those real bad bulls come from... Well, some come from Burton, right. and then lots of bulls come out of the south too. Okay, then, but oh. uh, like there's been quite a few. Oh yeah, uh, my buddy Jason here, he just brought up Rio de Janeiro. Do you okay. remember that bull? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was an intimidating. But you, yeah. you had that's he, he's a good friend of yours, hey. <laughs> that bull just about ended it for me. We keep bringing up Cloverdale. <laughs> Some great memories. Yeah. We haven't even talked about the Red Barn, yeah. but. Uh, um, Chris Self had him drawn. You know, great kid, Chris Self. We lost way too early to to bull riding, but um, it was the slack one morning. TJ and I were out there, and this big white. Br- did you do you remember he that? Was a bull? white Brammer bull, yeah, come out of Florida. Oh, good looking yeah. some bitch, but yeah. you couldn't get over a seventy-two on him. Yeah, we didn't know that yet. Anyway, Chris gets on him, and he dumps him out in the middle of the arena, and there's just you just. You know, I was coming through, and I just had to step in there, or he was going to hit Chris. Well, that bull punted me, and I mean, I never—I don't think I ever—I've never been hit that hard by anything, not yeah. in a car accident or anything. There's a couple pictures. I remember the photographer sent me one picture, and I'm wondering why did he send me this picture? All you can see is my hand in the top <laughs> of the frame. That's how high <laughs> I was up. I remember the bulldoggers come down. They were everybody was pretty concerned because, huh. and so was yeah, I. I couldn't reaction. move. Yeah. My fucking legs wouldn't work, <laughs> so it was a bit of a concern. Thank God, Kevin <laughs> Kevin Gerlitz was there, um, and he climbed on one of your dad's horses because it was slack, and he just oh, to, okay. just in case he had to drag a bull out. You know, how big that yeah. arena is in Cloverdale. I remember TJ ran by me. He goes, "You okay?" And I'm like, "No, I'm not." And that bull swapped ends and stared us down again. And TJ made a pass by there and picked him up, and then Kevin got a rope on him. And they stretchered me out, and I was done for. Well, I, I don't think I got back till Morris in July. Compressed a vertebrae in my back. It was, sh- it was a shitty deal. But that's that's the that's the gig. Yeah. The next year, Blade Young gets a re-ride in the slack, and I don't th- I think we dodged that bull for the rest of the year. I didn't have to see him again. The re-ride bull, Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> Blade Young comes wandering. Like, I'm sorry, guys, but it's already May. I haven't got any money. One. I'm like, you just said it. It's only May. You got all summer yet. You really got to take this one. Anyway, it went a little better that time. But, yeah, that you talk about intimidating bulls. You go back. Do you remember Blue Blazes? Yeah, Was I he do. 33? Was yeah, his number 33. 33? Yeah, right on. Yeah. And that bull could buck. Yeah. Like, he'd, he'd, he'd get yeah. going in a circle sometimes. But, boy, oh, boy, he sure straightened out when the yeah. whistle went or somebody hit the ground. With uh, going back to, well, two stories, but since you brought up Blue Blazes, my dad, that's where his, that's where the Mexican – bloodline come into play with him yeah and uh he was a blue bull and that's where it first started right there uh his calves 
they were all shiver and shake. Shiver and shake. Right. And, six, uh, six, six. Monkey bars would have been the same time as Blue Blazes, but he was different deal. That right. was who? What was the paint that was long, like in Blue Blazes' time? You had a Mexican paint. Uh, yeah, that would have been Super Cat number thirty. Super Cat. <laughs> Jeez. Those, and like I'm gonna those have nightmares tonight. Bulls. I'm gonna have but, nightmares uh, over this shit but tonight. A- anyway, what I was getting back to, and I know it's a w- it's a small world on the stories, but. Uh, when those calves, when they were just off their cows, or when they were still on the cows, at Lethbridge, at the Pro Rodeo, there was a guy in the calf, or there was this guy that was in charge of bringing the calves, and he showed up there for the slack the day before, and he unloaded these calves that were about a week old for the calf open. My dad, no. My grandpa, you know, what are we going to do? So they went home, and they gathered them brower cows up, and them calves, and they brought them in. And them them cross Mexican. This doesn't surprise anybody. This doesn't surprise any of us sitting in and this circle. Was, right and now. there was more ropes breaking, <laughs> and more guys turning out, and thinking, "Holy!" And the, and and it was more exciting for me because I wasn't old enough to get in the back pens, but watching them guys tangle with them <laughs> things, it wasn't something where yeah, I'm how, helping at the time <laughs> event end today. No. How, that would have been the year your but, your dad didn't win contractor of the year, but, I bet. Uh, <laughs> he didn't get the time to but, vent but vote the, that but year. But the downfall is with doing something like that, you lose all the guys who are helping load the cattle <laughs> in the back for next year. So then we were having to do it. I mean, so you live and you learn a little bit too. Hey, what was the what was the um, helper with the the bull in the buck and shoots, the story you were telling me oh, earlier? Okay. Uh, we were at a rodeo, and, and the, the, the back of the chutes they had, they closed it in, and we had a horse get out there, and so they didn't want that horse to, if if a horse were to jump over the back, they didn't want to have that happen. Yep. Well, uh, anyway, we're in the bull riding the next year, and I would believe Scott would have been there for it. He was a gray bull. Uh, and uh, anyway, this guy had his hat, and this bull was kind of standing in there, and he waved his hat down in there. <laughs> well, this sucker popped up out of these chutes. And this guy stepped off the back of the platform, and he's standing there, and and this bull's coming towards him, and he just faints. <laughs> and it was the wrong time to faint. <laughs> and this bull couldn't get out, and uh, it was a heck of a bad wreck. I mean, there was more stuff going on, and finally he tore enough stuff down to get away. I mean, they had... The, 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 it was a real bad wreck. I mean, it wouldn't be a good story to really laugh about because, of the gosh, I mean, We're laughing. and and, and I, I felt real bad for that guy. And I mean, he did walk away. Yeah, fine. Yep. But it wasn't something to where it was. It was like, holy, like uh, it, it wasn't one of my memorable, <laughs> memorable moments. I mean, but uh, it, it was a bad deal. I mean, uh, but uh, we were going back to what I wanted to bring in was Scott was telling freestyling a bull yep. medicine hat yes sir well you know in a way it was kind of lucky because that that was just freestyling i seen my dad at the polson rodeo in montana where there was too many rodeos on that weekend and we didn't have no bull riders well that one day anyway and so he says to the bullfighter that he had hired and it was some kid i don't know where he was from in the states he says yeah he says you think you can do me a favor here to either freestyle this bull he said no he said he said i'll get on him though oh sure perfect that, that i was, would have not that's, offered that's, that that's where it was at right there and uh but he says though i'm only gonna get on backwards 
And uh, my dad says, well, you do what you want to. And I'm thinking, you think he's really going to get on backwards? I said to my dad, I said, what are you going to use? Oh, we got that big white boas. And it was a bull we had, and it was, it was a number 051, Spider-Man. And this thing was terrifying. And there wasn't much for selection back there in the pen. Like, like if you're a Montana bull rider, this is the, this is the stuff you want to be, you know. Like, you didn't want to just enter that rodeo because I'm the hometown guy for the weekend. Like, and this bullfighter was there. Yeah, I'll get on him backwards. And he says, you might as well load a couple of them. And my dad, well, I think we should get through the first one first and go from there. <laughs> well... I mean, it wasn't, that bull jumped out of there, and, and, and what he really did, my dad let him pick the bull. That way, it was, if that's what he wanted to do, and he picked that yeah, bull. Yeah, that was, that was Dwayne's way of, of being like, and, okay, well, and, it's okay. Uh, and this bull swapped ends with him, and it was a hell of a wreck. I mean, there was his hat, and he had his face paint on, and, and uh, <laughs> I said, and my dad said to me, I don't think that's face paint, that's blood. Like, that's not, that's not, and, you know, the kid got up and stuff, and and my dad says, he says, yeah, I'll get on another one. My dad says, no, no, that was enough right there. Well, I, you know, listening to Scott and you talk here, Chase, I, I had another story come up. And, and I know we could talk all day on stories as, they, as I'm thinking back a lot of years ago. But I remember in Livingston, um, in that uh, Montana run there in July, that started July, that's that's the uh, 4th of July rodeo, yep. eh, Livingston was? Um the Star Spangled Banner's going, and I remember the local steakhouse, I believe, or some something along those lines, had chalked out circles in the arena. And the parachuters, the parachuters, uh, their job was to land during the anthem in the middle of the arena. And we're, if I remember right, there's a golf course out back there, yeah. isn't there? And some hills around there, yeah. and the winds kind of get going a little goofy. Yeah, it is. So there's two or three guys, two guys landed in the arena. And the Star-Spangled Banner was over, so Greg's on the back of the chutes ready to buck that first bareback horse. Here comes the late guy. And he should have landed out in the golf course or out back behind the back pens because it didn't look good that he could make it into the arena. Well, he was close enough that I could tell he was pulling on those chute strings, and his parachute went from being fully open, and he tried to turn into the arena to land because they come in pretty fast, those guys, you know, and they, yeah. they land running. Well, his chute went from being full of air and it just like it flipped and i'll tell you i'll never forget that sound of that shoot going through that air at that fast and that guy landed out in front of us in front of the shoots maybe 15 yards and bounced and i'm you could hear a pin drop and to hear a pin drop in an outdoor arena that's got to be pretty quiet and greg said <laughs> greg stand on the back of the shoots and this is you know, about being attentive around the Kesslers and Kessler Rodeo, and it's time to roll. He's like, somebody get in there and get that guy out of here. We got horses to buck. <laughs> and that was, I, I, you know what, everybody stand there with their jaws down on the frickin' arena floor because they know the inevitable. That guy, the, you know, if he makes it, he's he's a long way of uh, recovery and uh, recovering. So, anyway, I yeah. thought I'd better tell that story yeah. about Grandpa well, Greg. Well, one other really good story I got is we were at the standoff well, I wasn't there, but I just could picture it all. My dad and grandpa were there with a bunch of young horses and bulls. And uh, they just put a new barrier box in there for for their timed events. And uh, it was after the bronc ride, and they were in the calf roping. But at that barrier box, they had six posts. And uh, they were telephone poles they put in there to keep it braced. But some guy had the bright idea we should cut them in half. And uh, this 
guy was roping, and uh, I think it was a Chinook rodeo at the time, and he was in there, and he's backed in there, he's roping, and he nodded, but as he nodded, that loop caught that pole, and he rode ahead, <laughs> and that grass rope never broke. That horse, he hit the end of that line. <laughs> he hit the end of the line, and that horse jerked front over backwards <laughs> and hit right in the middle of this guy. And my dad's just, holy shit, and everybody. And and people are just cheering, thinking this is just part of the show. And my dad's thinking, no, this isn't part of the show. This is not what we expected, but what do you do? I mean, it's the calf rope, and it didn't have nothing. And, and, and there were more people gathering around up there, and, and this guy thought he was going to make the paper. And I, it would have killed you or me. Uh, but this guy jumps up, and he says, I'm going to get my bull riding stuff. He says, they haven't got me yet. And I think, <laughs> holy, guy had nine lives just like a cat. But uh, anyway, it was just something you don't see. And after that, they they demolished that because of that reason. They didn't want to see it happen again, and I don't blame them. But that was one of them life moments that I don't think a person would ever see that in person again. But For good reason, anyway. obviously. Uh, yeah. Well, Chase, uh, it's been a true pleasure having you on uh, on the podcast here, and uh, we're going to have to have you back because I know that there's a, a lot more stories in that memory bank that you got in yeah. there. And you're a great storyteller and, uh, and a great guest of the show, and we appreciate you. We appreciate your family, um, Scott, Jason, my dad, everybody that's been uh, bullfighters over the years. Your, your family's been a big part of that, and um, we love you. We love the stories, and I know there's a lot of good stories that are going to come forward uh, from this day on, yeah. uh, Dwayne, Margo, the whole crew, you, um, can't wait to, to see what the future holds and, and can't wait to, to make more memories and make more stories just like these ones and keep these podcasts going for years and years for our fourth generations after this. So, um, uh, we love you. Thank you for, for being on the show and, and, uh, we're going to have you back. That's for sure. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me and thanks for being a part of the PBR 3D bull riding means a lot. Yes, sir. Thank you. Roll me over and let me go. Rise me.